Hey, everybody, welcome back to Warrior EDU Podcast. We are in the war room today without Leah Pelletier. I am so happy for her. I was, I'm not going to say happy that she's not here. I'm happy that she just had that baby, Harrison, and we are so excited to meet him and welcome him into the Warrior family. So excited for you, Leah. If you're listening, shout out to you and Mike. Congratulations. We're thrilled for you. I'm sad that you can't be here today, though. So because we have such a great guest today, he is a Spanish teacher, techie, hip-hop enthusiast, Mr. Otto Corzo. Otto, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. How are you doing? Hey, I'm great. I'm great. It's a Friday, and, uh, you know, it's been a great week, um, and um, I hope that everyone else had a great week. It's tough, you know, to say right now, you know, I had a great week, you know, because it's just so different, and I, and I know we talk about it all the time, you know, and, and I, keep, I keep saying that it's so different, but I can't help it, right? Because it is. How are you doing through this, man? Man, it's, you know, it's an adjustment. It's, if, you, if you had asked me this question, uh, I want to say like three weeks ago, I would have had probably a more negative response. But I think at this point, I have uh, adjusted, modified my expectations for, of myself during this time. And yeah. I've also, you know, adjusted and modified the expectations I have for my students during this time, because who enjoys having class be as Right, right, right. It's just, oh, you know, you, you said it, man, it, it, it is an adjustment, and it does take an adjustment. And I think that for, for many people, and, and for me, especially, or me, me as well, it's an adjustment in your mind, right? I mean, I've had to get used to like, what is the role of principal right now? I, I don't even, I don't even, you know, I still sometimes sitting like, what am I, what am I, what am I doing? Right? right? You know, I walk down the halls, and, and I don't want to interrupt teachers who are behind closed doors talking to kids on zoom. And uh, so it's just tough, man. But it, it's tough, but I, I found ways, you know, getting creative and uh, I'm really enjoying the podcast and talking to people and getting to know them. And hopefully, hopefully, you know, hearing their teacher stories helps other teachers as well. So sure. Yeah, right on. Yeah, it has, it has been, you know, challenging also, like as, as a teacher trying to figure out, you know, how to best execute your lessons via Zoom and uh, how to establish those connections, you know, because in a, in a class like the one that I have is pretty big and I have students always sit in, in, in at tables, you know, three mm -hmm. to four students at a table, and we create that that community feel. And creating that 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 atmosphere via Zoom has been a challenge. So. Oh, for sure, for sure. We're, let's get into that a little bit, man. I mean, I mean, um, why don't you why don't we back up a little bit first, and, and then we'll we'll get into like you know how you're creating connections in the classroom. Um, because I've seen some stuff on Twitter from you, and I think it's pretty cool, and I want to share that with our listeners. So, um, but but what what's your story, Otto? I mean, tell people how you got here to this place at in McHenry, at McHenry High School. I mean, how have you always been a teacher? Did you is this a second career for you? Talk about your teacher story. Okay, well, this is my my first career. All right, I've been I've been teaching for now. This is what my I want to say my fourteenth year. I started off at uh, Warren Township High School. I was there for roughly, I want to say seven years. Okay. And on my commute home, because I lived at Woodstock, I lived in Woodstock previously and drove home during a winter storm and made a left onto Crystal Lake Road, saw McHenry West. Hey. Like, wow, you know, this getting a job here would be really nice. I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, the, the hour commute home. Sure. And that summer, there was an opening here. I said, hey, let's just give it a go. And the rest is history. I've been here for 
wow, this is what my seventh year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, my seventh year here. So it's been a blast. You know, it, it has really been uh, great creating a curriculum here for the Spanish heritage uh, students. And I guess, you know, being the, the one teacher for that program for the last six years has been great. And now we have a new teacher hopping in, Natalie Alatorre, who is uh, teaching her first section of Heritage One. And now Kelly Santuani yeah. in the two sections of Honors Heritage Three. You know, it's been great seeing this, this program grow. Wow. And you, so, you, I mean, you, you literally built it from the ground up, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Greg, Greg Eiserman uh, was the divisional at the time. And he, yeah. he told me during the interview, he's like, we're looking for someone that's, that's willing to, to start from the bottom, you know, the foundation and create a curriculum that will prepare students to be successful in AP. Wow. So did you, is, did you bring that, that knowledge uh, and wisdom with you from Warren? What did you teach at Warren? Uh, Warren yeah. Johnson? Perfect. Uh, I did teach uh, heritage Spanish at Warren, but I only taught level, level one at the uh, freshman and sophomore building. So I used a lot of what I knew, what I had learned, the what is it? I think I taught it there for five years and brought it here with me. And then I was told to create a curriculum for like level two. I'm like, okay, let's, let's, let's see what we can build off, uh, off of level one and establish some, some standards that will prepare students for, for AP. That has really been the goal. I was told you prepare these students for, for AP and that's wow. all I've been doing. So prepare them for AP Spanish? AP Spanish, yeah, AP Spanish and, so AP Spanish language and culture. Wow, wow. Yeah. So, so, you know, seven years in, right. In, in, uh, and you've, you've seen the program grow and, and uh, do you feel like it's still a work in progress? Are those kids there? Are they ready for AP? Yes. I, you know, I think the kids, the, the students are definitely ready for AP, but the, you know, both levels, well, all three levels. So levels, levels one, two, and three are a constant uh, living, breathing organism. Yeah. I, I feel like we, we have to adjust the the topics we address we adjust the the articles that we read to kind of stay relevant with the times and just keep it interesting and fresh for students mm. so not just reading the i guess you could say like the the masterpieces and the well-known short stories but you know just sure. keeping it fresh you know and keeping the kids engaged that has been the goal from the start that's key. That's key. I mean, you, you said keep keeping things fresh. Um, but I, you know, I interpret that to also mean relevant, you know, like culturally, yes. culturally relevant, you know, we talk about that all the time. And, and so, you, you know, I've been in McHenry for, oh, probably 18 years now and have seen um, a significant growth in, in our Spanish population. Right. Yes. Um, and so are you seeing that reflection at the, at the high school level? Like in, in seven years, have you seen numbers increase? Well, I would say it, that's kind of hard for me to gauge. Okay. Because all I've, all I've taught is, you know, the Spanish speaking population. True. True. I know, I know the, the classes have grown. It may be because the population has been growing or it may be because they know that this program exists for them. Well, that's and, what I was going to say. Are they, are they wanting to take, you know, right. Spanish classes, you know, because of the program and because of, you know, the teachers, because of the success, because of how we, how we market the pro the, you know, the program. 
Yes, I think more, more students and more teachers and more counselors are talking about the program. You know, instead of just keeping, you know, a, a student with the Spanish surname in their level two class, they're now pulling them out and asking, well, do you speak Spanish at home? Mm. We have a, an assessment that we use to gauge if they are, you know, a good candidate for the heritage program. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, you know what? It, it is, it is a very successful program and that is uh, in, in, large part due to you, you know, uh, kids are drawn to teachers, right? And, and so, um, you know, the more you're out there and the more you're doing things for kids and, and getting the word out about the program and, you know, kids the following year say, hey, I want to take Mr. Corzo's class, you know, because uh, he's cool and, and, he, and he likes hip hop and, and he can, um, according to, to Curtis Menke, you can break dance. And so like, that's not something I knew about you. Yeah. Yep. Break dance? Did you do that in class or what? Yes. I, <laughs> that's a funny story. Like I often don't, I tell my students that I am, that I am a break dancer and many of them don't believe me. And I often tell them like, well, if you want to find out if I can actually do it, you know, come on and enjoy and join the, the sub element break dancing group here. Oh at, yeah. At MCHS. And yeah, but the whole breakdancing thing, that's a, that's a long story, Jeff. <laughs> I've been doing, I've been doing breakdancing since I was like five. Wow. 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 That's incredible. Yeah. And it got really serious in, in, in college and well, was, in high school I did it, but we were kicked out of all the hallways. <laughs> we weren't allowed to, to dance in, in, at school. Wow. But in college I joined a club, uh, well, a club more like a group that actually still exists at, at Northern Illinois University. It's called Sub-Element and joined it we actually competed against each other we then competed in chicago against some of the best dancers in illinois and wow. were eliminated in the first round because, <laughs> i mean we were stu we were students first you know with the passion yeah, yeah. for dancing so yeah and I've, I've tried to bring that here to to McHenry because i had started a group at warren township high school as well and had a lot of success with the group and i brought it here it's slowly, you know, catching on. I think it's, it's, it's different, you know? I don't, I don't think people believe that this breakdancing thing still is relevant. Sure. It's actually, if I remember correctly, they're going to include it as a, as a sport. Yeah. The uh, French, the, the, the Olympics in France. So Incredible. It's a Incredible. big deal. Well, listen, I, I know that it's alive and well. And I remember last year at halftime, I think it was a basketball game and the West Campus gym where you, you brought them out and they performed in front of kids and, and the audience just loved them and they cheered them on and they, the kids were phenomenal dancers. So kudos to you, man. Thank you. Thank you. That's exciting. Curtis might have thought that, you know, the pop, the, the, uh, the, the uh, program was growing because of the breakdancing teacher, but I, I told him otherwise, like, this is this guy's Spanish skills and his connection with kids. So <laughs> yeah, maybe the breakdance is just the icing on the cake. <laughs> it probably is. It probably is. Also, you know, another thing that I didn't know about you um, is that you're a golden apple scholar. Yes, I am. Yes. 98. 98 golden apples. 98? Yeah. Wow. So, so you, do you, you went into the program out of high school or how did that whole thing come Yeah, out, out of high school. I was, I do believe, I think I might've been one of the last classes that was selected out of high school for, okay. for a period. I know they're doing it again. Um, but right. yeah, so it's straight out of high school. I actually, I actually uh, kind of put all of my 
all my money on Golden Apple. Wow. I had told myself, well, you know, I'll go to college, I'll study straight out of high school if I get this scholarship. I had written the six essays, I believe they were, and then went through an arduous process of being selected and then multiple interviews and ultimately ended up getting awarded the Golden Apple Scholarship. And I remember because I was either going to join the Marines mm. or become a teacher right away and start my, my career as a, as a student at a university. So luckily for me, I got the scholarship and I was able yeah. to start the process a lot sooner. Wow, that's phenomenal, man. So, so when you, when you um, are a Golden Apple Scholar, do you have to teach in a certain, with a certain population of kids for a certain number of years? Isn't that yeah. one of their things? Yes, you have to teach in a school of need. Okay. For, uh, I believe it's a total of five years and they give you eight years to do it. Okay. Yes, and unfortunately, I did not work at a school of need. So I, I did break that part of my contract. I couldn't find a school of need. I close, see. Close to here, close to Woodstock. And sure. the closest school I found was, was in Elgin. And that commute was just going to be a little too arduous for me. Too, too long. Yeah. I grew, I, I grew up in Elgin, born and raised there. And, and uh, when I, we first moved up to, or I got the jo job up here in McHenry, I was commuting from McHenry to Elgin. It's a, it's a, it's a haul. Yeah, it's a haul. Yeah, I didn't know if they still had that um, stipulation or not. And I, honestly, I didn't. I wasn't sure if Warren w was a school of need or had a school in, of need in Warren Township. So that's great, man. Well, congrats on on the Golden Apple Scholarship. That's that's exciting. A good friend of mine was was also a Golden Apple Scholar, and he landed in Round Lake. And and so um, that that is obviously uh, they have lots of schools of need out there. I I was out there as principal for ten years, so it's a great place to be. So. Hey, Otto, listen, uh, what, what is your, if you, if you had uh, like to, to talk about a, like a favorite classroom story or, or memory or something, if I asked you that, what, what would that be in, during your 14 years? During I'm sure there are a lot of them. I'm sure there's a lot of them. Definitely. There's, <laughs> there are quite a few. I think it might've been my first, my first, my first class here at McKenna. Okay. Because I was, I was new blood, fresh blood. You know, I think my, particularly my level two class, uh, which was heritage at the time, they, um, they were trying to size me up yeah. and trying to figure out, you know, well, who is this guy? Who's this bald guy dressed in a shirt and tie, thinking he's all fancy and talking to us in Spanish. So I remember ex the vibe, the, the overall energy in the room. It was, it was just a, a room full of ambiguity. They're like, okay, do we trust this guy? Do we um, open up? And I, it, was, it was a difficult process, I'll tell you this. It, they, many of them were just testing me throughout the, the first, I wanna say almost five weeks. They were like, okay, what is Clazo wow. about? You know, what is he really into? What, what, does he really care about what we're doing here? Does yeah. he really care about us? And I think by the sixth, sixth or seventh week, um, I particularly had, had a student who I still keep in contact with via email. She had uh, made, made a comment about how um, she feels that she gets attacked because she has assimilated to like the American culture. Mm. She speaks Spanish, she practices her, her Mexican heritage, but she has more, uh, she gravitates more to her Spanish, I'm sorry, her English speaking friends. Sure. You know, and she often felt like she was, she was being judged.
for, I guess, not being Latina enough. Mm. And I remember that conversation. That is actually a conversation I have with students every, every year because hearing her story and her, her view as feeling less than because she had English speaking friends meant so much. And I actually connected with her because I was often looked as that kind of student as well. Wow. You know, and I think that is, that was like a pinnacle point in my time here at McHenry. I figured that this is probably one of the, the stigmas that exist here. And it's something that I have to address as a teacher and make sure that every student that's in my class and outside of my class feels like they are, you know, Latino enough, mm-hmm. even though they might not, you know, have a firm grasp on their language skills, but it runs in their blood. You know, you cannot, you cannot change that. Just because you don't speak the language doesn't make you less Latino. Right. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> that, that's so interesting, man. I mean, uh, that, that you, you probably didn't know this about me, but when I wrote my, my dissertation for my doctoral degree, that's what I wrote about. I wrote about assimilation in, in the United States public school, and uh, I focused on four families of mine out in Round Lake. Um, and I did extensive studies with them, spent time with them, uh, at, you know, in the neighborhood, at the school, just trying to figure out a, uh, about that, about assimilation, right? Like, do you feel welcome here in the United States? And, and, and so many of them, um, well, not so many of them, there were four families, but I mean, the, the, the parents of those kids none of them felt like they they belong here and they've been here for for years and years the stories about um uh getting here from mexico to the united states um their stories were amazing the kids on the other hand did all of them did feel like they had uh, assimilated and they felt welcomed here but it was just interesting to hear the contrast between do you feel welcome or don't you and why what are those reasons so very fast I, I would love to read that jeff I would love. Oh to, well, hey, to anytime you can, I'll share. I'll share it with you because the 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 research and data that I got out of there um, was just incredible. Some of it heartbreaking, some of it just fascinating. Um, just wonderful people, though. Wonderful people. I've known them for years. I still keep in touch with them, and uh, and you mentioned that too. You know, like you still keep in touch with her, but it's but it's not through. You know, you you got to build that trust. You know, exactly. first and and make those connections. And so that story that you just shared, um, those kids are are going to test you right until you can build connections and trust with them and and i, I you know i've seen I, you know i see you i follow you on twitter you're active on twitter and i saw the other day that you delivered some school supplies speaking of making connections with the kids right some school yeah. supplies and maybe even some snacks to kids doors i mean what, what's yeah. that all about talk about making connections yes i okay so every year i offer students notebooks for for spanish class and I offer them, I often offer them pencils, pens. I'm like, I don't, I don't want them to show up to my classroom and not have anything yeah. to use, right? So I often tell them, like, yeah, there's notebooks up there. You, you, did you lose yours? Just go and grab it. Pencils, don't even ask, just go and grab it. I don't want that to be an excuse to not do, you know, to participate in class. Right. So this year it was a little difficult because I'm like, well, what do I do? You know, I'm not going to see them. And my wife mentioned she's like well have you thought about delivering i'm like wow i'm like yes yes that is a fabulous idea 
And I think that'd be a great way for me to actually see these kids, see my students face to face. And I started the process, I want to say it was over five weeks ago. And it took some time. My goal was to get it all done over one weekend. Man, it did not happen. No. It did not happen. <laughs> but the, the students that I did get a chance to see were some of my like level two students. So I had them the previous year, just seeing them was fantastic yeah you know, these kids opened up their doors and they had like smiles on their faces and they were so gracious and, and just appreciative of the of the gesture and my new students my level one students they were like what you you showed up you said you were gonna come and you here you are with this with this notebook with this with these pencils i had pens i had uh, snacks like granola bars. I, I always had mints in my room, so I gave them some mints as well. Wow. And it was just great. It was, it was my way of trying to connect with students since we have this barrier of yeah. computer screens. You know, I want to, I want to have the chance to put a name to a face. You know? And that, that's, that's so awesome. And I'm sure that uh, they appreciated that. And you know what? I mean, that's, that's something that they are always going to remember. You know, my teacher showed up to my house, you know, delivering things for me. You know, that, that's the stuff that they're going to remember forever, forever. So that, that's good. But that's coming up with uh, creative ways to, to manage the, uh, the stress of, of COVID and not being able to see our kids. And I'm sure that uh, it was just a joy for you to do too, you know, seeing and seeing kids, you know? Yeah, definitely seeing the kids and seeing the community too. Yeah. And seeing like what, where these kids are coming where from. Where they live. Yeah. yeah. Where they live. Because I was actually um, very surprised. I had a student who lives like on the far side of the uh the east campus attachment area and i just thought i'm like wow this kid would have traveled one to east to get to, to school and then take a shuttle over to west i'm like i'm like that is that is dedication and i i genuinely like appreciate that student in particular i'm like you would have taken a shuttle after most likely having had a 45 minute ride to East yeah. and then taking your classes there, hopping on a shuttle to get over here to West to take my class. I'm like, I, I'm, I was floored. Wow. I was floored. wow. St stuff you don't even, you don't even think about, you know, unless you, uh, you know, take the extra steps to get out there and, and, you know, kind of see what they're going through, you know? Exactly. Kudos to you, man. Um, you listen, you've talked about, you know, a couple of tr uh, challenges in the, in the trenches, you know, as we like to say, you know, in the classroom. And so, um, you know, one trying to get that first year here in McHenry. Uh, another one was like, you know, how to connect with kids during, during COVID. So, um, you know, I'm going to ask you um, if you had any advice to give for new teachers coming into the profession uh, right now in this, in this challenging trying time, what, what would, what would you tell somebody? What would that be? Well, I think it, it, I have to, I have to really think about this because I can take this in many different directions. I think the, the main key that has helped me, cause I, I feel like I'm a first year teacher. Sure. Good, this year. good point. Good point. And I would want to say that it's, it's, it's just grace giving yourself grace. Mm. You know, this, this whole remote teaching, remote learning is not, it really isn't a one size fits all. There isn't, there isn't just one way of doing things. And I think with all of the 
the apps and the technology, the ed tech tools that you have at your disposal. It's just choosing the one that works for you, that works with your personality and your philosophy, mm. you know, and then just keeping it simple, keeping it simple, because it's really nice to have all these bells and whistles. But if you rely too, too much on these, on these, uh, on these tools and they don't work, then what? Yeah. You know? So I think overall, my experience this year would be to give my, to give myself grace. Right. And I would, I would definitely encourage new teachers to give themselves grace and allow themselves to make the mistakes. Things mm -hmm. will not work and that's all right. We show up the, the next day and we do it again. So true. So true. I, I love that you, um, you know, get, giving grace and choosing the ed tech tools that work for you. Cause there's a, there's a barrage of them, right? I mean, there's just a plethora of, of, of tools out there right now and thank goodness. Um, but, but your advice to keep it simple and choose only the ones that work for you allows you to remember as a teacher that you're still the number one, <laughs> force in, in, in their, in their lives, no matter if it's in person or, or digitally, the teacher makes the biggest impact, not right. the ed tech tool, right? Not the tech tool as great as they are. Yes. But I think the, 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 the bigger beauty in what you just said, everything that you just said is that that's advice for everyone, Right. <laughs> you know, like not just for new teachers, like I can use that, <laughs> you know, like if I'm having a bad day or something, you know, and, and things just don't seem right. Like, okay this is not going well. And I'm okay with that. You know, we're so hard on ourselves though. I think it's so, so hard to do sometimes. Right. Right on. I think as, as teachers, you know, we, we often shoot for that, that perfect lesson. Yeah. And that perfect lesson is almost non-existent during this time. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it's just, it's, you have to kind of, I don't want to say settle for what it is that you're able to execute, but it's, it's just modifying your expectation. Things are not going to, work the same way they would have had they yeah. showed up in class, you know? Right, right. You got to be, be very choosy. Yeah, 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 you do. And I love, I love giving yourself, extending grace to, to others and, and, and to yourself. You know, a friend of mine I was just talking to today in a neighboring district, uh, they are, she's an instructional coach and all the instructional coaches in her district were just told today that at the, at 315 today, they're no longer going to be instructional coaches and they're all going to be placed back in classrooms to help with, uh, because they're going to go hybrid too soon right. you know and so she's panicking and like how am i going to get ready because it's because she's going to be a classroom teacher starting monday right <laughs> after the weekend oh, wow. and so she's panicking like what if i get placed in a kindergarten room what if i get placed in a you know somewhere i've never taught before and i'm like listen everybody knows that this is unusual yes Pe people are going to step up and say take it easy it's okay what you said extend yourself grace Right. Right. You have to right now. Things yeah. aren't going to be perfect. Right on. So I love that, man. Um, Otto, as we wrap up today, I mean, um, one last question. What are you hopeful for? What, what gives you hope right now? I think right now, as far as like, as an educator, I'm constantly looking for like smiles mm. on Zoom, you know, just, just one or two. And with the students that do actually show me their face, their full face, fantastic. You know, it's nice seeing those smiles, knowing that, you know, that I'm capable of doing that. You know, maybe it's a lesson, maybe it was a comment that I made, they just found it a little funny and, you know, they, they smiled. And it's even 
great when the students that don't show me their face and all I see is their forehead and I see like the little wrinkles in their eye. I'm like, okay. I'm like, that's I'm, a smile. That's I'm a getting smile. them too. Right. I think that's what's motivating me right now. That's what's giving me hope. And to eventually, I think it, is all, it also leads to eventually seeing them walk through the door mm. and seeing those smiles here in this classroom. That's, what, that's what's motivating me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Find, find what you're hopeful for. Find what motivates you and, and do more of that, right? Right. I mean, I mean that, that's whatever that is, you know, I, I, I've used the phrase this year countless times, silver linings, you know, like what, find the silver lining and you're not going to find it unless you're looking for it. You've got to be looking for it because it's yes. there. They're, they're out there. Silver linings are there. Yes. Right on. I agree. hundred percent. Man. Otto Corzo. I mean, this has been a great conversation. If people um, want to, want to know more, you don't want to talk to you more, want to follow up on a comment that you, that you made besides for your district email. I mean, how, how can they find you on social media? Well, they can find me on Twitter and I don't have my Twitter handle memorized. I, I, I see it right here. It's uh senior S R underscore Corzo C O R Z O. Definitely. You see, can I, read me there. Yes. I come in for the save. I come in for the save. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's just one of the things I haven't memorized. I use it as a tool, not really as a networking kind of thing. I think I, I that's something I gotta work on. I gotta work mm. on it. Thank I, you. For I, I, I think you should, man. I think you should because I see you out there. You participate in a couple of Twitter chats lately, and uh, you know I think that's you know just as we as we wrap up here, um, the the power of connection. You know, you you said you don't use it as a form of connection. I do. I have I have used it tenfold since March. Uh, just leaning on my on my professional learning network, which extends across Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, because because I because I I, I really needed that, <laughs> you know, because everyone's in the same boat, and I needed to just be filled up by other people um, who are like minded, and that's where you find people who are like minded, right out right out there. So so yeah, I've definitely been using it a lot more. You I have, think. I've seen ever, ever since yeah, ever since March. I think it's yeah, it's, it's filled that need, you know, of just connecting, connecting with others and, you know, letting them know that they're not alone and, and knowing that I'm not alone. That also helps too. For sure. For yeah. sure. Well, I encourage you to keep going on that journey, man. And, and uh, you know, get out there on, on social media. People, people need to hear what you say. They need to hear your voice. And I hope you realize that. So thank you. Know, thank, thanks for coming in the war room today on the warrior edu podcast man we hope to hear much more from you and uh i hope you have a great weekend thank you thanks for the invite and i'm wishing you the best and the listeners as well all right i thank you take care take care 